Sociology 110, we're continuing uh, with William LeBove, uh Academic Ignorance in Black Intelligence. We left off uh, where they were trying to get Leon to talk, and <clears throat> they changed the situation. Uh, you could read the uh, conversation on page six, so I won't bother going over it. But... Um, you can tell there's a lot more conversation going on. And so this is how uh, William Lebeau explains it at the bottom of page six. The nonverbal Leon is now competing actively for the floor. Gregory and Leon talk to each other as much as they do to the interviewer. The monosyllabic speaker who had nothing to say about anything that cannot remember what he did yesterday has disappeared. Instead, we find two boys who have so much to say that they keep interrupting each other, who seem to have no difficulty in using the English language to express themselves. One can now transfer this demonstration of the sociolinguistic control of speech to other test situations, including IQ and reading tests in school. It should be immediately apparent that none of the standard tests will come anywhere near measuring Leon's verbal capacity. On these tests, he will show up very much the monosyllabic, inept, ignorant, bumbling child of our first interview. The teacher has far less ability than Clarence Robins to elicit speech from this child. Clarence knows the community, the things that Leon has been doing, and the things that Leon would like to talk about. But the power relationships in a one-on-one -on -one confrontation between adult and child are too asymmetrical. This does not mean that some black children will not talk a great deal when alone with a child, when alone with an adult, or that an adult cannot get close to any child. It means that the social situation is the most powerful determinant of verbal ability, verbal behavior, and that an adult must enter into the right social relation with a child if we want to find out what a child can do. This is just what many teachers cannot do. So that's a very important sentence. I want you to learn that. The social situation is the most powerful determinant of verbal behavior. So not the child's genetic ability, uh, not whether the child has grown up in uh, good circumstances or bad circumstances, but it's the social situation. Okay? So that's really important. Uh, this view of the black speech community which we obtained from our work in the ghetto areas is precisely the opposite from that reported by Deutsch, Engelman, and Bereiter. <clears throat> Excuse me. We see a child bathed in verbal stimulation from morning till night. We see many speech events which depend upon the competitive exhibition of verbal skills, singing, sounding, toast, rifting, louding, a whole range of activities in which the individual gains status through his use of language. That's where rap comes out of that uh, verb displaying verbal ability, and uh, often it's in a uh, an almost competitive situation. Okay, so then they uh, move on to an example of an older boy, a 15-year-old member of a group called the Jets, on page eight, and this is a good example of how well. Uh, young black men in the, in the ghetto can speak and reason. <clears throat> and they're going to compare it 
with a similar speech situation with the middle class black speaker, and the differences are interesting. Okay, so the interviewer is a guy named John Lewis. He is represented by JL, and he's interviewing a 15-year-old named Larry. So John Lewis says, what happens to you after you die, do you know? Larry, yeah, I know. What? After they put you in the ground, your body turns into uh, bones and shit. What happens to your spirit? Your spirit. As soon as you die, your spirit leaves you. And where does the spirit go? Well, it all depends. On what? You know, like some people say, if you're good and shit, you're going to heaven. And if you're bad, your spirit going to hell. <laughs> well, bullshit. Your spirit going to hell anyway, good or bad. John, why? Larry, why? I'll tell you why. Because, you see, doesn't nobody really know it's a god, you know? Because, I mean, I've seen black gods, pink gods, white gods, all color gods, and don't nobody know it's really a god. And they would be saying, if you're good, you're going to heaven. That's bullshit, because you ain't going to no heaven, because there ain't no heaven for you to go to. So this is uh, how LaBeouf sums this up. Larry is a gifted speaker of black English vernacular, B-E-V, as opposed to standard English, S-E. His grammar shows a high concentration of such characteristic PEV forms as negative inversion, don't nobody know, negative concord, you ain't going to no heaven, and variant B when they be saying, dummy it for standard English, it ain't no heaven. Optional copula deletion, if you're good, if you're bad, and full forms of auxiliaries, I have seen. The only standard influence in this passage is the one case of doesn't instead of the invariant don't of BEV. Larry also provides a paradigmatic example of the rhetorical style of BEV. He can sum up a complex argument in a few words, and the full force of his opinions come through without qualification or reservation. He's eminently quotable, and his interviews give us a great many concise statements of the BEV point of view. One can almost say that Larry speaks to BEV culture. Then they break down his argument into logic, and uh, John Lewis, being a gifted interviewer, finds a problem with that logic. So on page nine, oh, I got to stop it there before we get too long. I'll uh, finish this up next session. Thank you.